0: What's up, everybody? This is Elliot Terrell, and you're listening to Magical Thinking, brought to you by ArtofMagic.com. Our guest for this episode is James Wendt. James is a performer from Wales. That's over in the UK. And this was his first time performing in the close-up room at the Magic Castle. It was his first time performing at the Magic Castle at all. And I got to sit down and speak with him after I'd seen his show, which I thoroughly enjoyed, and talk to him about performing at the castle, writing a show consulting on television for Darren Brown, creating magic, and originality and authenticity in your performance. James is also a musician, and we talk a little bit about that. We also recommend that you listen to a couple of albums. So if you're driving along in your car, you've got something else to play. This is a fun and funny episode. I really liked James. We hit it off almost immediately, and I was excited to have him on the podcast because I like it when performers can come on and share their experiences from different cultures and different circumstances of performing. So it's really great. I know you're going to love James's episode, and I want you to get into it as fast as possible. So, as always... Follow us on all the social media channels. Join our newsletter. The end of this month, May 20th, is our one-year anniversary. Not just the podcast, but artofmagic.com, and we're doing a big relaunch of the site. We have many surprises in store. It's going to be amazing. I know you're going to love it. So look forward to that. Save the date. New magic, new site, new cool things. It's going to be awesome. Facebook and Instagram, search Art of Magic, search Magical Thinking Podcast, Get in touch with me at podcastdarkamagic.com and also join the Facebook group for magical thinking. James Went from Wales. Get into it. It's great. Let me know what you think. Enjoy. It's just, it's
1: just that British thing. You know? I know. Okay. Right. We're doing it. All right.
0: So, this is your first time at the castle. How's it going?
1: Yeah, it's cool. It's, um,. It's different, man. It completely spoils you for every other audience you'll ever like perform for because you know, it's this 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 great club where everybody is dressed immaculately and everybody's really, you know, hyped up to have a good night out and then you know they come see you and they're expecting to see great magic and you get to the show and the reactions are great. And it's totally not like that in England or Wales or UK. It's like, you know, normally when you do like a magic gig it's for people who aren't expecting you to be there, yeah, you know, it's that I guess in America the closest thing is like restaurant magic, uh-huh. where someone goes out to a meal. But in um, in Britain, restaurant magic does exist, but it's not really a thing like as it is out here. It tends to be more sort of corporate shows mm-hmm. where you do like sort of table hopping corporate or um, weddings. Weddings are big market in the UK, and I don't think it is in America. Like magicians at weddings, mm-hmm. uh, but. The difference is, is at the castle, everybody's expecting to see magic and they want you to be there, whereas in the UK, you have that awful thing of having to introduce yourself every time you go to a new group, like, you know, try and ingratiate yourself as quickly as you possibly can before you can actually do anything, which you don't have to do here because people do that for you. Yeah. Great. You walk out to applause, that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: definitely not a British thing. Uh, do, do you know John Vanderput? Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Not um, really well, but yeah, I know him. Um, we spent some time together at Edinburgh Fringe. I did the Fringe a few years ago. Okay, cool. He was there.
0: Yeah, yeah. He says that uh, strolling magicians are professional interrupters. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's cool. So how are the shows going? Since you're I mean, great, yeah, really good. Um, I guess there's no way for it not to be great, honestly, because you're good. Let's oh, get that you. out of the way. Oh, that's I, really
1: wouldn't, not... I wouldn't be talking to you if you weren't good. But <laughs> oh wow. Uh, uh, well, technically, you asked me to do this before you saw the
0: show. That's true, but you wouldn't have been consulting for Darren Brown and touring with him if you weren't
1: good. Well, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the, show, the shows have been going great. Um, I put so much work into this show, um, which is ridiculous because it's like 16, 17 minutes, I think. It's a really short show because it's in the close-up gallery, so it mm-hmm. needs to be between 15 and 20, and you can't run over. So I kind of designed it to be 17 minutes And I really wanted to to have, like, a congruency uh, because I've watched, um, as I was mentioning the other night, you know, I've watched all of the clips online of everybody at the club. So, anything I can find on Vimeo or YouTube, I've watched it all sort of in research. And I noticed the trend of um, just tricks. It's like, hi, I'm a magician. I'm at the castle. Here's a trick. Here's another trick. Here's another trick. And then at the end, here's the best trick I've got, Mm -hmm. which is great. And it's a formula that works. However, I noticed that um, in doing that, the trick becomes the shield for the performer. So the audience never actually get to know who that guy is, mm-hmm. you know. And this is this is the first time they're ever going to see this person. They've never heard of the guy before, and he's got fifteen minutes to you know win them over, if, if that's the correct term. Yeah. So it just seemed to me that the the smart thing to do would be spend the fifteen minutes introducing myself, and along the way throw in some really strong magic moments, which I hope that's kind of what's happened. I hope that's what it is. Um, But I definitely wanted that through line where it felt like the entire act had a start, a middle, and an end. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've seen it. There are, like, callbacks and there are little loops that are built up within the act that refer back to things that are not necessarily at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, it's going really well. It's that thing of uh, on Monday night, it was very much like, I've only ever done this in rehearsal. I hope it plays. Yeah. And it did. Um, and that's when you start finding all the beats, Mm because obviously, you know, rehearsal, you think things are, are at certain points and you think certain things are going to work and some of them do and some of them don't. So Tuesday I spent revising, um, and then Tuesday night I had one train wreck, which was just not good. And then three really strong shows. And then last night was just... Was
0: the train wreck your fault or was it something? Because... Most train wrecks are not your fault necessarily. No.
1: It's just like I could have prevented that. Yeah, but it's that thing of I mean, this is the other thing you never hear magicians talking about when stuff goes wrong because stuff happens to everybody, you know. Mm-hmm. Mistakes happen, and there's this awful thing within magic about this like the false ego and how it's like, oh yeah, dude, I killed that audience, I slayed this, and you know, they are the that's yeah. the terminology that people use, and it's such yeah. a weird sort of terminology. And when they do say about the mistakes, they'll reframe what happened in a way that still makes themselves seem the hero. Mm -hmm. So, it's like, oh man, I had this like train wreck the other night and the guy did this, but you know what, I just kind of turned around and I did this and it was awesome and nobody knew and so they still come out the hero. Which probably wasn't true, Mm -hmm. it probably just sucked, that show, and it's fine because everybody has those shows. None of them necessarily stops you dwelling on them because that's all I thought about all yesterday was how bad that one show was on Tuesday. Even though <laughs> I had three really good ones.
0: I had. I saw the show after that one.
1: Yeah. It was really good. Oh, thank you. Yeah, oh, it yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I did... Um, yeah, the, the first one was like the train wreck. Mm-hmm. I say train wreck. You know what? It actually wasn't that bad, but it wasn't great. And then you saw the show, and then the next two were just brilliant. And then last night was just four really, really strong shows. But it's at the point now where... Everything is starting to feel right, mm-hmm. so I know the beats, and I, I kind of, I'm starting to understand an American audience and what they get of the British humour and what they might not <laughs> understand and how I'm having to tweak it. Yeah. What are some examples of that? Oh, okay. yeah. So I had this. Um, <laughs> there's a line uh, in the. So this is going on after next week, right? So yeah. Okay, cool. They won't be able to see the. You're okay, right, okay, okay. So in in the act, the first thing I do is I do a uh, colour change and handkerchief, which is like a really old school, you know, kind of hackneyed effect. But um, it is reframed to talk about the difference between sort of the UK as a whole and Wales, which is where I'm from, I'm from Wales and the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and as part of that, I do like a build up into it where I'm mentioning Scotland, England and Northern Ireland. And the joke for England was, um, if you think about England, you might think of the Queen you might think of Big Ben, or you might think of uh, two gentlemen sipping cups of tea whilst wearing top hats. Mm-hmm. And if you do, you've never been to Hull. Mm-hmm. That was the original joke. Yeah. Uh, and then the kicker was, or England. Yeah. Uh, which is, I thought was quite funny. However, I quickly realized that nobody knew what Hull was. Nah. Uh, whereas, like, if you were doing that joke back home, everybody knows Hull, sorry if you're from Hull. Um, <laughs> I'm not sorry. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry if you're from Hull, and Elliot's not sorry. Uh, you know, it's not. It's <laughs> but not, you changed it to South London, right? I changed it. Yeah, was, was that in the show you were in? There? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I changed it to South London, um, which was a note that Colin Cloud came to see the show mm-hmm. um, the night before. And Colin's a good friend of mine, and uh, he he mentioned that joke because it went from Hull to Wolverhampton um, because me and Dave Forrest, who's also here, quite like the rhythm of Wolverhampton.
0: <laughs> it's like that's a great word. Wolverhampton.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was Dave's note. The rhythm of... And if you do, you've never been to Wolverhampton. Mm-hmm. It's just that, like the meter of that word we really liked. Mm-hmm. But again, people just didn't know what that was. Yeah. Uh, so it became... Uh, so Colin said London. And I thought London was a bit of a cop out. So we chatted about it a bit. And he said, oh, we'll say South London because it sounds more specific. Mm-hmm. Um, so since then, it's been South London. It's landed, which is yeah. great. Yeah.
0: Well, because here... Uh, that resonates with people big time because L.A. is so neighborhoody. Oh, So, my if God, you're like yeah. uh, East L.A. or, you know, it's the same kind of... Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like a direct correlation.
1: Yeah, I never thought of it like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that kind of makes sense. But it's things like that, like readjusting the frame. And also, I've become a lot more relaxed in the performance. So, mm-hmm. on Monday and possibly when you saw it, it was quite... Um, Castle sort of, nerves. Uh, not really cast on it's just I delivered it in the way that I thought it ought to be delivered. In, okay. in as much as this is a theatre show, I'm delivering to you. Mm. Um, and over the last few nights, this kind of started to relax and now it's a little bit more conversational and there's a little bit more ad-libbing between the audience and myself. Um, but not the the feedback, which is going to sound weird, the feedback from the audience isn't encouraged because I want to maintain the fact that, you know, this is my show, so it's not a free-for-all. Mm-hmm. As as I'm doing the late, you know, you deal with some drunk people. Sure. Yeah. But I have, once I've established that sort of this is the show, this is what you're going to see, then after the second effect, I tend to sort of chill out a little bit. And then there's a little bit more back and forth with the audience, Mm -hmm. which was where the first line came from. The first line, the show is specifically placed there to establish, this is the show. And I wanted to be a definite punctuation as it's not just some guy doing tricks and it's not... You know, it's, it's not okay to talk over the top of me or heckle or anything. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm scared of it. That probably sounds wrong. Not that I'm scared of that. No, of course but not. But it's establishing that you're here to see a show. This is the show. The show has started. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because uh, a lot of magicians that come out, uh, sorry to interrupt, a lot of magicians that come out, you know, after you're introduced and you come out to applause, most people, a lot of magicians in the close up room, like kind of, hang out for a bit and sort of get to know the audience. Which I understand, but there's no, like, the show hasn't started. This, you know, it's not until the cards come out and they're on the table and I've asked you to take one. Now the show has started. Yeah, totally. And that's, I feel like, possibly
1: a waste of several minutes. Absolutely. And not only a waste of several minutes... Um, it does It does a few things. So, the words that you say when you first come out, which is odd, okay, because magicians, as we all are, slightly broken individuals, to come out to applause is a weird <laughs> thing, right? Because you've got all these people clapping and going, you know, it's a Californian audience, they're all going nuts. It's a strange thing to feel that because you haven't done anything yet. You don't deserve that applause. You haven't proved yourself to the audience. Yeah. So I think the way a lot of people cover that is to drop the, oh, thank you very much. That's so kind. Thank you. Oh, it's so great to be here. Thank you very much.
2: Mm-hmm. Which
1: ultimately are just empty words. They don't mean anything.
2: Mm-hmm. It,
1: it, it, like That might sound quite harsh, but they're not sincere. They said out of a nervous awkwardness rather yeah. than thank you very much this genuinely means a lot to me and also sorry go ahead. no go on no. well and also the applause that you're coming
0: out to isn't genuine no, it's something not. that people go oh yeah, this yeah. is what we do we've been bred to yeah. clap when someone is
1: presented absolutely so like when i come out i just stand there as you saw i just stand there and smile you know i'm not, <laughs> not you know like an awkward autistic <laughs> where i'm just kind of stood there allowing people to clap at me and i come out and i smile and i nod and i just wait for them to stop yeah which is hard because, it's, you know, especially on the later shows, if some people are like, sort of had a few drinks, then, you know, they, they may be chatting. I'll just wait. I'll come back and see the show and just not stop clapping. Great. That's, that's my just, 20 minutes done. 20 minutes. <laughs> 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 that's 20 minutes done. I'll just throw the final picture. I was like, thank you very much for coming. Good night. Which will make no sense. So, yeah, I'll just stand there. And then the opening line of the show is, uh, and there were a few things. I worked with, um, do you know, have you heard of Morgan and West They're a great duo back in England. They're the time-traveling magicians. Um, very good friends of mine. I've i seen, yes. Oh, man, they're great. They're great. Mm-hmm. And what's great about those two is not only are they great magicians, but they're total theatre guys. They understand theatre. Fuck yeah. Um, so, Reese, who's a very, very good friend of mine. And Rob is too, but Reese is also Welsh, so he got all the, like, sort of references in the, in the act. We worked for a day on it. I just, he came over and hung out, and I was like, look, this is what I'm planning. What do you think? And the original line I had for the opening was quite, I don't know, it was quite self-important <laughs> and a bit, like, it was a bit rambly. And I thought it was, like, cool and intellectual and this kind of stuff. And he went, no, man, I hate it. So it's like, okay, it's gone. And then uh, we worked on the action. And then the final thing was the opening line. It was like, what's the opening line going to be? And we went back and forth on a few things. And then I said, well, how about it's this? And he went, great, who's that? Um, so for anybody who's listening, the opening line is, um, so everybody claps.
0: <laughs> Wait. We, the, so you said the opening line like probably 10 minutes ago and now we're just now getting to what the actual line oh, is. oh god that's so bad no that's exactly what this is all supposed to be this really? is what the podcast is.
1: oh cool you are killing it oh thank you Sorry. very much oh Continue. excellent what's don't the, don't that? cut that bit out leave no, that bit in it. that's
0: a, all in i'm not um, taking anything out and so stuff at the beginning
1: the opening line is um i come out and i have a deck of cards in my hand everybody claps and I wait for it to die down. And it almost gets... I almost allow it to get to the point where it's now awkward. Because
2: mm-hmm.
1: nobody knows quite now how to react. Maybe they've seen some of the shows. And I say, every ending has a beginning. Boom. Now the show has started. Yeah. Yeah. This is mine. And then I just have someone pick a card. And from that point, they know that, oh, okay, right, this is this is how we're supposed to behave. The show has now started. Mm-hmm. And what's this all about? And mm-hmm. Which is which is what it serves. It's, it's that three beats of... Every ending has a beginning. This is mine. Gentleman, will just say, could you take a card, please? Mm-hmm. And then I have a card select that goes back in the deck and it gets put in a glass and it doesn't get talked about for the rest of the show. Yeah. Um, but from that point, you're on, and that's the show then, and everybody knows, and then you're into the first trick. And so, yeah, quite a lot of thought went into that in the sort of the feel more than anything else.
0: No, it's great because thank you. You're uh, you've you you said this, you mentioned it, but you're that's conditioning the audience. It's like. Mm-hmm. Um, you're setting the tone. You're creating the context yeah. because that room is pretty malleable. You can do just about anything. in Totally. And a lot of people will. But uh, yeah, you're coming at it from a a more interesting and a, a more fully developed place, which I liked. I love you. I love you. Thank you. You're welcome.
1: <laughs> End of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, I hope so. But then um, that that thinking... Uh, comes a lot from working with Darren and from working with um, Anthony Owen and another guy called Anthony Waldron on the TV show that I worked on. Darren came later, but um, working in TV makes you reframe everything you do because all of a sudden it's not really about the trick. Mm -hmm. Now it's about the the experience that the television audience is going to get rather than yeah, you know, here's just some cool stuff. You know, you have to really concentrate on edit, on scripting because of the edit. Because mm-hmm. you know, there's there's all that thing in in, in magic of R, you know, TV magic edit and stuff. And yeah, you know, it is. However, it's not necessarily to hide method. Um, inevitably, whatever you record needs to be cut down anyway. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure that your script is designed in a way that it can be edited around, so bits can go, bits can get rejected. Uh, so that's where it comes from and then I mean Darren's always got a great opening line you see any one of Darren's shows and his opening line is always on point Mm -hmm. which is you know I, I, I worked with him for two and a half years so you can't Help, but have that stuff rub off on you. Yeah, like not in a way where all of a sudden you want to be a Darren clone and you come out and you go, "Hi!" Everything I'm about to show you is a miss of psychology, misdirection, and showmanship. Because that's that's just weak. Like, why would you do that? It's already a Darren Brown. You don't need another one. He is the best. Mm-hmm. And he is. He is the best at what he does. But um, what I did take away from that is scripting and beats and rhythm and the importance of sort of through lines and callbacks and moments, really, because mm-hmm. Darren's the master. Darren is the complete master of getting everything you can out of a moment. Yeah. This is technically an awkward silence now, isn't it? This is a moment. We've just created a moment. This is our second moment. <laughs> this is our second <laughs> moment. Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of came out of that. And plus, you know, it's so special to be in LA. You know, I come from a tiny, tiny little town in Wales. I mean, it's so small. There's like 20,000 people I think is the population, or it was when I grew up just like this little dot on the side of a mountain and nothing ever really happens there. So to go from there and all of a sudden, you know, I'm out in Hollywood performing at the Magic Castle to leave. It's just, it's crazy, man. It's just, yeah. Do you feel like a phony? Like a
0: bit of an, yeah, a... Yeah, absolutely. Get... But you know what? Yeah. Is that like... An... I, in a previous podcast, I was like... I was like, I feel like a phony, and the person I was podcasting was like, if I
1: asked my favorite magicians if they ever felt like phonies, they would say no, and I was like, I disagree. Really? Oh man, I totally, do you know what, everything I've ever done, I've felt like I'm not the right guy for. Yeah. Honestly, um, but I think that's that's important on two levels. On one level, it's important that you are putting yourself in those situations because it means you're moving forward, mm-hmm. even though it's really hard. It's hard, man. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, if you do feel like a phony and you do feel that, it means that you're at least grounded. Because if you're the guy who's going, Man, I got this, I could do this, I could do this, probably a bit of an asshole. Um, and you know, there's lots of those about, Yeah. especially in magic. There's lots, as I mentioned earlier with the, 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 screw up thing, when, when some people talk about their mishaps, they like reframe it to make themselves still, still seem awesome. Like they're infallible. Like yeah. even though this crazy thing went wrong, <laughs> totally not. I had it under control. Oh man. It's so, it's, you know, it's so insufferable. I can't, <laughs> I cannot tolerate it. It's, it's horrible, but yeah, everything I've done. Um, so I went for. Uh, I did a TV show in England called Help My Supply Teacher's Magic, which mm. was a kids show. And the premise was that we pretended to be supply teachers or in... Mar- I think it's substitute teachers out here, True. right? So, we would going to a school, pretend we're substitute teachers uh, with hidden cameras. And then the lesson that we give might be disguised as a science lesson, but really there was magic. And, mm. then, and then the kids would freak out and the cameras would burst in and all this kind of stuff. So, I... Um, I was in that uh, with uh, John Archer. You you probably heard of. who's um, was great, and Fergus and Catherine as well. Two very close friends of mine, which was great because John had done some TV before, but myself, Catherine, and Fergus, this is our first time. So we were all on this like <laughs> this journey together. Of I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> Neither do I. It's fine, you know. Yeah. But even going for the audition for that, I never really wanted TV. I didn't. I, there was no like aspiration. Like if you talk to some magicians and i still get emails now which is bizarre because you know nobody cares about me you know it's just just some welsh grabies on tv ones i still get emails saying like oh you know i want to get into tv what do you recommend it's like i don't know man because i never wanted to do it be undeniable sorry i said be undeniable yeah what do you mean I mean, be so good that people will recognize Oh, yeah, the Steve Martin thing, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, well, that's the thing. But I didn't even think I was that good. Yeah. Like, I'm not stupid and I knew I had ability, mm-hmm. but even going for that audition was so far out of my depth. Mm-hmm. And it came about because uh, there's a website in England called Magic Week. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it updates every Saturday. And there's like, you know, there's like a for sale thing on there. And then there's like the news of the week of whatever's happened in Magic. Mm-hmm. And one week, uh, there was a thing on there that objective um, productions were looking for magicians and I knew objective did Darren cause I got, I got into magic because of Darren, because you know, he's the man and I saw him and I was like, oh, this, this is what I want to do. And then I coincidentally, also saw Jerry Sadowitz around the same time. And like Sadowitz is my hero. I adore Jerry Sadowitz and I love all the difficulty about him as well. That's part of the appeal. So I saw that objective were looking and I thought, yeah, uh, why not? And I knew Anthony Owen. I'd met Anthony Owen um, the year before because, coincidentally, his parents happened to live in the very small Welsh town that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And he was looking for someone to pick something up for his parents' house to take to Blackpool to a convention because he ran the website of his parents' house there. So I sort of got in touch with him. It's like, look, I, my mum and dad live there, so I will happily do that for you. So I did. I took a big cardboard box up to Blackpool for him, gave it to him, said thank you very much, and laughed. Okay, and that was, that was my entire dealing with Anthony Owen. And then later on, I'm not sure if it was that year. It might have been the year after the, the the advert came up on Magic Week. And I thought, why not? Yeah. Might as well. So I didn't reply to the advert. I got in touch with Anthony and said, oh, look, I've, I hear you're looking for magicians. What's the deal? And he wrote back and said, look, send me a picture and a brief bio and, you know, I'll stick you in the pile. So he did. And then I got the first audition. Oh, man. And just from then, it was just a journey of nerves and terror mm-hmm. all the way up until the first series. And that was like really hard because I had no idea what I was doing. I only really found my feet in the second series. Once I'd had a series under my belt, it was like, okay, I enjoy this and I get it. Yeah. Yeah, the first series. Wow. What was the audition process like? Oh, man. Wow. So the audition process was, you have to bear in mind, i, I at the time I was a music teacher. Mm-hmm. So my background is like I've taught music in a college for sort of, 10 years. So I'm, I'm about sort of five, six years into this. Mm-hmm. No real aspiration of TV or any magic as a career. But I love magic, like total nerd. Never stop reading books. Just constantly reading like Marlowe variations, all this kind of stuff. Just I'm odd. Um, and, oh man. So I got the call for the audition. I sent the photo in. I sent the bio. And Anthony said, okay, you can come in for an audition. Um, and I had to prepare. And the auditions were quite stringent, actually. I had to prepare... Um, Oh, no, the first edition, that's right. I had to do Professor's Nightmare, the rote routine, uh, with a script. So they wanted to see you work off script and do a routine. And then the other thing they wanted to see was any routine that you felt might be of interest. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know Professor's Nightmare because I was a card guy. Mm -hmm. Just totally into into cards and coins and close-up. So a friend of mine taught me Professor's Routine like the day before... And I'd learned the script in advance, but didn't know the methods. who's like, show me all the rope stuff, which is so funny because I'd been in magic quite a while at that point. Still didn't know that. Yeah. And went up to London. So I went with my friend Tom, who was there for moral support. And we uh, we got tickets to see Ghost Stories, which is Andy Nyman's play, right? Because we, we were like, all right, well, we're going up to London anyway. The audition's only going to be like 10 minutes. Uh, Nyman's got that great show. We'll go and see the show in the evening. It's like, yeah, Cool. So I got to Objective and I walk in and the first thing you see in Objective is at the third floor of um, the company's house in London, right right by the, the, the wheel. Just yeah. opposite Big Ben. Mm-hmm. So you go in, you go up to the third floor, and straight through the door there's massive letters, objective productions, and you're instantly like, Oh shit, man, what have I done? <laughs> there's a big picture of Darren and there's a big picture of like Peep Show, which is a huge thing in, in England and mm-hmm. like all these great shows that they've done. So I sit down. And then a guy who after this came to be a very, very close friend of mine, Anthony Waldron, who now lives in New York and is just such a, a secret weapon in magic. He is the man. He's so cool and I love him very much. Um, he came out and he was like, Oh hi James, thanks for coming. I was like, Oh yeah, no problem. Terrified. <laughs> <laughs> Terrified. Like, okay, come with me. And then Objective is like this open plan office. So mm-hmm. there are lots of people on workstations, but it's just sprawling. And it's London. You look out the window, it's Big Ben, so you're like Christ, I'm in the city, man. This is cool. Yeah. We're walking along the open plan bit and he goes, uh, okay, so just to tell you a little bit who's in the room. Uh, so Anthony Owen is in there. I was like, okay, kind of figured that'd be the case. Mm-hmm. but I was like a little bit on oh guard. You know, he's never seen me do anything Anthony Owen. He said, oh, uh, David Britland's in there as well. <laughs> Which is like, right, okay. So I'm a big card guy and a big, you know, a, a big fan kind of Britland and just anybody in cards for Britland especially is like, wow. David Brutland's in there, and then we got to the door, and Anthony put his hand on the door. Anthony Warder put his hand on the door and said, "Oh, and by the way, Andy Nyman's in there too." And then just pushed the door open, and there's just the three of them sat behind the table. It's like the X Factor. Yeah. But by which point, it's too late to run away. <laughs> it's like Okay, in you go. So that was it. That was the trial by fire. Mm-hmm. And How'd I go. Uh, well I got the part well, <laughs> so, yeah, But, I mean... but, but well th- this is the thing right So I came out of it and then um, I mentioned to Andy that we were going to see Which is like completely didn't know he was going to be in the audition Mentioned to him that we were going to see ghost stories So Andy being the complete dude that he is Said well come and hang out with us Afterwards come, mm-hmm. come to the dressing room And just have a chat so we did Went to the dressing room and then me and Tom drove home from London uh, Back to South Wales And I remember thinking like If nothing else Happens I'm just totally happy. I've had a great day in London. I've met, you know, I've met two of my heroes. Well, three of my heroes, I guess. Sorry, Anthony Owen. If you're listening to this, you are one of my heroes as well. <laughs> but I shouldn't have said which one wasn't the hero, though. But sorry, I love you, Anthony. Um, and I thought, you know, I don't, ca- you know, I don't care. <coughs> it's fine. I had a great day. I wore an adventure back to normality. And then about a week later, I got the phone call from um, Anthony Waldron saying, "We loved what you did. We'd like to invite you in for a second interview." And that's when it got serious. What was the other trick that you did in the first interview? Oh, well remembered. Uh, I did a Ben Earl ace cutting thing. Oh, cool. Yeah, I just done one of Ben Earl's workshops, which he did. He did two workshops. He did one in London and one in um, Edinburgh, I think it was. And I went to the one in London, which technically was Whitchurch, which is just outside. Not Whitchurch, what's it called? I can't remember. It's just outside London. Um, and he taught this great sequence, which has just come out in the new book The Vanishing Inca put in out, um, but this was way before that was published, and so it's great. Mm-hmm. So I did that. Um, yeah, it's it brilliant. Ben's amazing. Uh, yeah, so I did a nice cutting sequence for David Britland, which was <laughs> odd. And then they asked about the second interview, so I went in and did the second interview, and that's when it got difficult. Yeah, why? Uh, because uh, the the criteria for the second... Sorry, am I waffling? Is this too much? No. Okay. Um, the second interview was... Uh, it was three questions. Because some people are interested. Maybe like five or six. My mum. Yeah. <laughs> my mum's interested. Maybe my wife. My <laughs> wife would have turned off by now. Um, she like, oh, God. Thank uh, God it's was this, in America. Oh, that story again. <laughs> um, yeah, there were three criteria in the email. And one of them was... Uh, perform a trick that is. Uh, perform a trick that tells us something about yourself mm-hmm. that doesn't use your hands. Mm-hmm. So you're not allowed to use your hands. No cards, no coins. That was it. Yeah. And the second one was. Oh, God, what was the second one? It was another no cards, no coins. Mm-hmm. But it was. Um, perform something from your repertoire. Perform a trick that you enjoy performing. No cards, no coins. Mm-hmm. And then the last one was. What was the last bit? Oh, the last one you had to actually script a lesson. So it was like, right, pretend you are the teacher. Mm-hmm. Do the lesson. What would you do? So it was tough and it was hard because it's like, right, no cards, no coins. Instantly, that's my comfort zone. So that's at the at the window. Not allowed to use your hands. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So so I figured that lots of people would be doing mentalism. Mm-hmm. And I instantly figured out that if you are going to perform any magic to the production Team of Darren Brown's TV shows. It's probably wise not to do mentalism, yeah, because they have the best guy in the world. So therefore, you know, yeah. what's the point? So I didn't. I did a trick, um, which was about Van Halen, because you're a guitarist, right? yeah. Because I'm a guitar player, right? Mm-hmm. So I love Van Halen when I was a teenager, especially. And there's this rock and roll story about Van Halen uh, on their rider in the 80s. They used to have this thing where they'd have the bowl of M&M's uh, backstage with all the brown ones taken out. You yeah. this? Yeah, yeah. It's really smart, actually. It was not... The way it gets recounted is the fact that they were just so big-headed and arrogant. They wanted the bowl of M&M's with the brown ones taken out. That's not the story. The true story is Dave Lee Roth put it in the, um, the safety requirements of the lighting rig because mm-hmm. they had this huge lighting rig. I think it was the biggest that had ever been toured. So that when he got backstage, if he saw a bowl of M&M's with all the brown ones taken out, he knew that that production team or that team at that local venue had gone through everything on the checklist mm-hmm. and everything was safe and they could go on stage, which is a smart move, right? Mm-hmm. But obviously, it's that great and up story. So I did that. I had two bowls of M&M's, uh, which I spent like about £40 pounds on. <laughs> <Like> £40 <pounds laughs> on M&M's, like so these two massive bowls full of M&M's. And uh, I took all the brown ones out and put them in the other bowl. And then I had David Britland sign an M&M with a little white sort of marker, put it in the colored M&Ms, mix everything around. Then I put a blindfold on, put my hands behind my back and like just stuck my face in there and came up with it between my teeth. That's fun. Yeah, it's a cool trick, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Great for kids. Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, apart from the Van Halen hen- well, yeah, but, but, yeah. Was, but Yeah, it's yeah. cool, right? Um, and I thought, I knew especially that... Also, to be fair,
0: I was super into classic rock and oh, like dude. hair metal and stuff yeah i was like in middle school and high school and so
1: totally oh, yeah. i love that stuff we've just i mean that's so great about being in la right so the second night we were here me and dave went down to the rainbow oh yeah set the rainbow which is just like wow it's like the mecca of of metal right because guns and roses used to hang out there and motley crew and motorhead and that was cool and then we've just today been to the hard rock cafe and eddie van Halen's guitar is there if i may not I've just been wigging out over that. It's been great. Yeah, so I did that and then a couple of other things as well. And yeah, got the part. Then there was a third audition where they wanted us to just perform for camera. Yeah. Uh, And we did... I just did like a a three-point... No, I'll tell you what I did. I did... um, uh, Troy, who's this charming Ch- Chinese? Oh god, I can't charming say it. charming Chinese, Chinese challenge. Yeah. I did that um, because they said they didn't really care about the not that's not a great trick, but they didn't really. It wasn't anything they wanted especially prepared, mm-hmm. and that was part of my gig, gigging routine at the time. So I just did that, and they wanted to film it, yeah. and then then I got the got the gig, which is cool. Cool, yeah. And then we did thirty nine episodes, I believe, mm-hmm. three series. So I want to talk about.
0: Uh, creating and writing for television. Okay. And I also want to talk about like, the misconceptions that mm-hmm. a lot of people have.
1: Oh, man. Unbearable magic consultant syndrome. What is that? Oh, God. So there was a stage a few years ago where everybody on their website or on Facebook would call this, I was a magic consultant. It's like, oh, yeah, I am a magic consultant. I'm a magic consultant. And the truth oh, is... Oh, that still happens. Oh, uh, yeah. But I don't think a lot of people actually know what it is. Mm, yeah. it's, it's so weird. I think... I. Somebody told me, I can't remember who it was, but apparently Blake Voigt said the most important thing about being a magic consultant is knowing which kind of glue to use. And it's totally true. Yeah, I think people have it in their heads that being a magic consultant is, you know, sitting in a room and coming up with these, like, really cool methods for tricks. And there's an element of that. Mm -hmm. But really, um, there's so much great stuff out there. There's so much great material out there that you can perform. Mm Mm-hmm being a magic consultant is really about taking something that you know is great and tailoring it to fit the situation that you will be performing it in
2: mm-hmm.
1: and tweaking methods so maybe like a close-up method wouldn't be suitable for TV or maybe a, th- a stage method wouldn't be suitable for close-up but you tweak it and, and you change it um, which is so far removed from like um, just coming up with tricks to sell to magicians yeah. which is not that there's anything wrong with that because obviously that, that's a market but that's not magic consultancy um, like I just did I've done I've done a few things for TV. I did Killer Magic for BBC Three in the United Kingdom, and I did I uh, did a couple of weeks on Breaking Magic, which I believe was out here with Wayne Houchin and yep. Nick Staniforth and those guys. Mm-hmm. I did a couple of weeks on that, and the ammos are both really different. So Breaking Magic, the interesting thing about that was um, you had to come up with a trick that was suitable to demonstrate the method. Because I mean. They gave, which kind of made part of me like a bit uneasy, but they gave away the method of the trick. Yeah. But they did that under the guise of this is a science experiment, which it was. All the methods for the tricks were based upon scientific principles. So you had to understand what the principle was and then somehow make it entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is a tough call because, you know, science is amazing, but it's, you needed to make that then practical and play to a TV audience. Mm-hmm. So we worked with, um, it was great. We had a scientist who was just like one of the smartest guys I've ever met. He would come in and go, oh, this principle and this theory is this, 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 and this. And then my job was kind of to go, all right, well, maybe if we took that and then applied it to like, um, you know, a coin through bottle effect or penetration effect, I think one of them was one of them was like a spirit writing thing where a chemical reaction triggered um the spirit thing. So that, creatively it's that. But when on the day, mm-hmm. like physically on the day, it is literally about what's the best glue to use to stick this card to this or um or when you do that for the camera you flash so maybe angle your left hand like you know twenty degrees to mm-hmm. the left so it's not flashing on the camera. That's that's really what it is. It yeah. kind of it kind of crosses a lot of areas between sort of performance directing and sort of creative mm-hmm. you know coming up with the stuff. Yeah. You know, it straddles those fields. And then theatre is different. I did a theatre show in Wales last summer, which was great. It was so much fun. It was the first theatre show, I've well not counting Daring because technically I didn't consult on the Daring stuff. I kind of worked on it and I was involved with all the, you know, I was, I was present doing the creative bits, but um, that's not what my credit was on the tour, um, which was just such a lesson. Um, but the, the thing in Wales was the first thing I've worked on purely for theatre. And then, the weird thing about that is you can't think about it as a magic trick. Then, the magic trick is hidden within the story. Yeah. So, whatever the effect is, it has to be congruent to what's happening on stage, so the audience don't realize it's a magic trick. Mm -hmm. Can Uh, you,
0: like, describe? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, it was a ghost story um, about how it was called The Ghost of Morva Colliery, and it was in Swansea and it was a a, a true if it common, however true story can go for ghosts story about a mining disaster that happened in Wales in the late 1800s I believe it was um in this mine that was haunted and in one scene um a one of the guys sees an apparition appear and then disappear instantly so that's what it said in the script yeah so then you've got to go, right, how do you do that? How do you make a guy disappear from the middle of the stage completely, like almost completely surrounded? Mm-hmm. That becomes the problem then. Uh, but you can't, at that point, it's wrong to bring in gaudy props. Mm-hmm. So the easy solution would be, all right, well, we'll bring in like a box and you can disappear into the box. And like one of the ideas I had for it was um, Jim Steinmeier in, I believe it's, oh, God, what's the book? The, um uh, I can't remember the name of the book. In one of his books, Jim Steinman, sure. one of his books uh, had this thing where um, a trolley would come on stage and the trolley had loads of boxes on it and there was a person hidden in the trolley, right? Which is great, great effect. So, I had the idea of doing that with a coal cart, which is fine, but then the problem is you have to justify to the audience why you're using a coal cart, which brings up another problem which doesn't need to exist. Yeah. So, instantly that's not good, mm-hmm. yeah? So, the the goal was vanish someone in the middle of the stage. Without any props, so uh, in the end we used a, a cloak vanish, mm-hmm. uh, which if, if you're familiar with illusions, you'll know what that is. Um, but it worked perfectly um, because the guy, there's no trap door or anything, yeah. And the guy just drops. You just get this apparition drop in the middle of the stage, and it's brilliant because the audience aren't expecting a magic show. They don't, they don't see that as a magic trick. They just yeah. see it as that guy just disappeared. What was that? Yeah, which is really different to. Going back to sort of the conception of what magic consultancy is, it's far removed from like this is a cool color changing card trick. Yeah. You know, because it's the that.
0: difference between uh, doing a magic trick on stage for the purpose of the reaction. Yes. It's doing a magic trick on, tra- on stage for the purpose of illustrating the story and furthering the plot.
1: Yeah. You have no ego at that point. The yeah. show is not about you. You are not the one who's being special, inverted commas, on stage. Yeah. Your only job is to be there and to serve the through line of the story. Yeah. Yeah. With good moments. Mm-hmm. So there are there a few moments like that throughout the show. Um, but, you know, I was really pleased with how that turned out, especially as it was the first time. And, yeah, pleased that nobody saw it as a magic show yeah they just saw this cool theater show where stuff happened yeah that they couldn't explain which is nice yeah so yeah i mean it's a different world to tv but it's, it's fun you know i'd like to do more i think
0: yeah yeah it sounds amazing yeah you know,
1: it sounds like it's the difference between demonstrating magic
0: and performing oh absolutely. like 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 you like your show in the close-up room is performing magic but somebody going in and doing trick, 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 they're demonstrating magic tricks. Yeah, absolutely. Not oh, there's anything
1: wrong, wrong with that. No, not at all. You know, because it's, 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 you know, it's the magic castle and if people are there to see magic tricks. Yeah, yeah. So if you are going to demonstrate magic tricks, then that's the place to do it. Yeah. However, for the show that I put on, I wanted it to be after the 15 minutes or 20 minutes that they've spent with me. They knew who I am um, and they like me, which is pretty important. Yeah. Um, and they saw some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. and they remember they remember the end mm-hmm. which i'm sure they will and i'm sure that the thing that happens at the end is an whim for everybody and they're singing that on the way home <laughs> <laughs> it is oh good <laughs> uh, i was i was whistling it walking down the hall really that, sorry show yeah no amazing um
0: you said earlier that one of the things you took away from working with darren is the beats mm. right well how did that kind of mesh together with your musical background
1: Oh, also oh, I wrote really down. Tender
0: Surrender in my notes Tender Surrender yeah as in Steve Vai Steve Vai yeah. oh my
1: god you know that track right? I
0: do oh I'm such a big Steve Vai fan it's like it's like my favourite
1: <laughs> one of my favourite wow <laughs> I'm just going to wow, sing 10 Wow, wow, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, Yeah, we were on, like, a, we were on a, I was on a celebrity, hoping this is a true story, I went on one of those really cheesy, like, celeb home tours the other day. Amazing. Because I'm in LA, and that's what you do in LA. Of course. And secretly, I was thinking, oh, God, I wonder if we're going to go past, like, Steve I's house. That would be just, I would, like, lose my shit if we went past Steve I's house, because I'm such a massive I fan. Um, funnily enough, weirdly, when we were on tour with Darren, we just happened to be off, on uh, a Sunday night in Manchester, the same night that Steve I was playing. Mm. So, me and Coops and Ollie Mealing, who you've probably heard of, and mm-hmm. San Beth. Uh, we all went to see Steve Vai because those guys didn't really sort of know him. But I was like, oh my God, man, we have to go with Steve Vai. Dude. This is going to be amazing. Tender Surrender is the most aggressively sexual song oh. that doesn't have lyrics. <laughs> yeah, it's totally right. Awesome. Oh it's my a great God. EP, man. <sighs> oh, this, uh, that's on the Alien Love Secrets uh, thing. Is that what it's called? That's what it's called, right? The, the, that album. It's been so long since yeah. I listened to all this stuff. Yeah. And there's like seven tracks on there, and every single one is just amazing. It's yeah. like bad Pause horsey. the podcast,
0: look up Steve Vai, VAI. Tender Surrender. Oh, Watch the YouTube video of yeah. him playing it. Get, get a live version. Yeah. Oh,
1: man. man. It,
0: that that song's magical. Okay. Anyway, mm. that was a nice little...
1: That was a nice little <laughs> interview. Yeah, um, uh, So the question is about beats how... And beats and your um, musical background. Um. Do you know what? The, see, the. it would be obvious to go, yeah, well, you know, music teaches you about rhythm and performances about rhythm, so it's inherent and it just kind of easily went across. But mm-hmm. it's not really something I... I I draw comparison to the beats that I refer to it like with regards to performance mm-hmm. uh, Is largely just watching great performance like if you watch um, Tamariz or Dois or Darren, you know, or Blaine. I mean Blaine is the master man. he just like gets those beats those moments and a beat um, For anybody who's listening who doesn't quite know what I'm talking about with beats and is instantly thinking like sort of rap music or whatever yeah. a beat is literally just um the way in which you reveal something, or the way in which you punctuate it. For example, if you are reading a book, okay, if there is no punctuation in that book, mm-hmm. okay, and it's just endless sentences, there is no breathing space for you to um, appreciate what's come before, mm-hmm. right? It's um, stream of consciousness. Yeah, it's totally. It just reminded me of something. Of, uh, um, I think John Coltrane said of it once. I can't remember what it is, but it's, it's so important that you just leave breathing space. So, oh yes, well John Coltrane, uh, Coltrane and part Charlie Parker, right? Uh, both great jazz saxophonists. They would, they like sort of both famed for these like flurries, these like massive flurries of notes, like mm-hmm. bebop. And you know, Coltrane obviously went on with um, Miles Davis and all that kind of stuff. But um, after a flurry of notes, Vi does this. After a flurry of notes, you have to not play for a bit, or you have to give a, like a beat, like actually not play, to allow the audience to appreciate the sort of virtuosic skill set that you've just displayed to them, right? Yeah. And I guess, sort of in order to answer your question by drawing the parallel, that's the same in magic, okay? So if I say if there's a card on the table, right, and that card is the, say it's a card on the table, and I go to you, what was your card? Eight of diamonds. Eight of diamonds, there it is. Yeah. I just turn it over and throw it on the table. That you've kind of ruined your own applause cue then. Mm-hmm. So, a better way to do it, just in a very simple sort of demonstration, would be okay. And um, Elliot, what was your card? Eight of diamonds. Eight of diamonds. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you could have picked any single one of these, and you signed the eight of diamonds. This card is the eight of diamonds. Yeah. And what you're doing there is you're just putting in pauses. I'm not. And I'm, I'm not saying this as a grand sort of you know Darwin Ortiz asked <laughs> sort of display of this is the way it should be done. But the, Yeah, the, the improvement an with example. That, yeah, it's an example of by putting those gaps in and mm-hmm. reiterating certain things that have happened, mm-hmm. it allows the audience to appreciate the impossibility of the bit that's to come.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, like in the act, the, the card on the forehead thing in the act. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that, basically. Yeah. Um, it, it's allowing the audience to think, no. Yeah,
0: the whole time. The whole time. Really?
1: Yeah. No, no way. Yeah. No. And then you, the final reveal is like, ah,
2: oh, what?
1: Yeah. You know, that's what you want. Rather than going, what was the card? Seven of Hearts. That's the one on my head. Ta-da. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But then I think that only comes from performing uh, or watching a great performer again and again and again and again and again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because... I mean, the problem, not the problem with magic, but a problem with magic Mm -hmm. is the fact, I alluded to it earlier, is is the fact that it it can be a shield to severe social awkwardness. Mm -hmm. You know, I I, I don't think any magician is 100% well-adjusted, but obviously there's a sliding scale. And in that area, I think people are too quick to allow the method, the impossibility of the method to... um, compensate for their lack of A, entertainment ability mm-hmm. or B, interest. Yeah. You know? So it's like you do some killer card at any number yeah. and you hope that the fact that the method is so clever will resonate with the audience. Yeah. But what that will happen is and I'm sure you've heard this like a million times because every magician has. Uh, someone will come at you and go, oh man, I saw this guy last week and he did this thing and he pulled a card from his wallet and it was amazing. And you go, oh great, who's the guy? Oh, I don't remember. It's just a magician at the thing. Yeah. Which is... The opposite of what you want Mm -hmm. I would much like If someone sees um, Someone sees Danny Daughters Juan Tamariz right Mm -hmm. Somebody goes to see A a Tamariz or a Daughters show They will leave there going Oh my god I just saw Tamariz And that was the most Amazing show I've ever seen The guy was amazing The follow up question would be Oh great what did he do Mm -hmm. And the chances are They probably wouldn't remember Much Mm -hmm. of the details Of the effects Yeah But what they went away with Was this complete He is magic Oh he is just He is just amazing And I'm such a Daughters fan um, and oh, I was saying they come away yeah. with the impression yeah, no. he's magic. Oh, not- absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's the difference. But the other side of that is I would happily watch an hour where Tamar is not doing a trick, just chatting. Because yeah. I like him and I'm interested in his character. Not the character, but I'm interested in him as a person. Yeah. And Danny, you know, I'm interested in them and I like them. Mm-hmm. So I'll just happily watch them. And if they do like a double lift and just turn it over, though, I'm, I'm happy and I'm going home. Yeah. You know, I've got my money's worth. Which is far different to, to guys who are just complete pretenders, who have all these like sneaky methods and no charisma whatsoever. Yeah. Like, and what was the card you were thinking of, the six of hearts, the six of hearts. I knew it was the six of hearts all on, thank you very much, I'm wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's just unbearable.
0: Well, again, it goes back to the difference between performing and demonstrating. No, of course. yeah, Because yeah, that's that. that's what it is. It's like, look at this neat method. Mm. Look how sneaky this is. I'm diabolical.
1: And I am totally down with that as well. Like, I'll happily sit and talk method and do all the sneaky moves. And like, oh, have you seen this version of this? Yeah, but, that's the time and place for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But when you get in front of an audience... Yeah. I mean, do you know what? Oh, my God. There's such a lesson the other day. I was with... Uh, Obviously, as I mentioned, I'm with Dave Forrest at the moment, and we're both performing at the castle. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went to the Magic Apple mm-hmm. in Studio City. And mm-hmm. uh, the guys they were really lovely. And one of the guys was performing this trick to this kid and his mum. Okay, this kid had wandered in, and he was like obviously looking to get magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, Okay, you've got a card. And he started dealing cards out of the table. He said, Wherever you want, you say stop. Just mm-hmm. kept dealing. And the kid like waited a long time Mm -hmm. to the point where his mum was like, you know, maybe today you have to say stop at some point. The kid just waited and waited and waited. And he said, stop. And the guy went, okay. And what was the card? Seven of hearts. Turned over the top card. It was the seven of hearts. The mum and the kid just absolutely lost their minds. It was like the greatest trick they'd ever seen. Honestly, they just went,
2: what? Oh, what? That's just like, what?
1: Yeah. Um real Blaine reaction just in a magic shop, right? And it's a Svengali deck. Yeah. You know, and there's such a lesson there mm-hmm. that as a magic snob, there are so many ways of doing that trick. You know, you use a Marlow automatic placement or yeah. you use a psychological stop or right. you use a bottom was, deal yeah. or you use, you know, the, the, like the, all the different clever methods of doing it and just use a Svengali deck. Yeah. It kills. Oh yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. It's, that's something that I'm fascinated by is like, uh, I haven't haven't, haven't talked about this on the podcast in a hot minute, so this is cool. Um, The idea that, like, once you mature enough in magic, you go back to
1: the stuff you learned at the very beginning.
0: And you go, holy fucking shit. We just threw this away. This is the gold. Yep, absolutely.
1: No, you're totally right. Yeah, because the thing is, it's like... um, It's like the matrix, right? Yeah. When you get into magic, you're the red pill and the blue pill. All right, so you, even just, you either just like magic and enjoy watching it, and that's the blue pill, mm-hmm. or you start to go down the rabbit hole and you take the pill, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, right. Oh, wow, a double lift. <sighs> that's cool, man. Mm-hmm. And you go, well, everybody does a double lift. <gasps> Elmsley count. Wow. What, that's really sneaky. And then, oh my God, there's such a thing as a pass, and that's like a really difficult move. So if I learn the pass really well, then I can impress everybody else who does the pass. Like, because, you know, I'll be like the man. Yeah. And then you go, oh, wow. Like, what about the Marlowe stuff and the Vernon stuff? And, oh, God, I just read some, like, binary principle in a Louis Boudreau book or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you start going down the rabbit hole and you become obsessed with method. But at the same time, you start ignoring the fact. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I'm just saying for myself, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. My first magic book was Card Zones by Jerry Sadowitz, mm-hmm. which was so far up my depth. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that book... Like, I had to get um, Richard Kaufman's Basic Card Technique DVD to teach me the slights to do the stuff in the Sadwitz book. Which, the irony of having a Kaufman book and a Sadwitz book and reading them at the same time to everybody anybody who knows the background there is super ironic, but I had no idea. <laughs> but yeah, I would literally go through it, perform a pass. All like, right, what's a pass? I'd go back, and I got his pass DVD as well. I'd perform an Almsley count, a Jordan count. And you just get obsessed with the method. And as you rightly said, it gets to the point where. You know, somebody somebody goes to you, oh, I do a trick. And you're like, um, ooh, uh, Mm -hmm. ambitious card. Yeah. Yeah, Because all the stuff you've been working on is just technique and you've got nothing to show for it. Yeah. But you're right. Then you come back to Invisible Deck, you know, Spengali Deck. Crosscut Force. Crosscut Force, man. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's about refinement, Mm -hmm. you know, refinement of how you make that stuff work and moments. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like me and Dave spent about an hour and a half. Well, we were talking for an hour last night about two words in a script mm-hmm. because of the moment stuff. So, I mean, they're going, un- this probably all sounds very self serving and self important, but we've really worked on our sets for the Magic Castle this week. I mean, they're going, oh, yeah, but man, if you say that, then the beat's in the wrong place and it doesn't build for this climax and then this. You know, we ne- we never talk about method. Yeah. Because method is just like, well, it's, it's, you know, just force the card. For, yeah, that's the know. easy part. Yeah, that's, that's the easy bit. Yeah. No, you're, you're totally spot on with that.
0: And it's funny that it takes learning hard fucking stuff, oh, man, really man. difficult things, to then appreciate how powerful something that is technically very easy is. Totally. When you've got, now you've got all
1: this room and free space in your brain to play around with Absolutely, and there's no tension, mm-hmm. especially with like moves like the pass. It's never the... I've always found it's never the flashing of the move that gives it away. Someone's shoulders, Mm -hmm. it's instantly they tense. And whether or not you see the pass is irrelevant because you'll just sense that moment. Exactly. The audience just go, oh, something happened. don't know what it was, but something happened there. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you use a crosscut force or, you know, a Svengali or, you know, a forcing stack or whatever, that stuff doesn't exist. There's no going back. There's no way for them to go. Yeah. Not that I am now... Sorry, I realize this is probably starting to sound like you know, oh, well, sleight of hand is bad and you should just take it. I'm absolutely not that guy because I, I, yeah, you know, me I, either. <laughs> I totally love this. You know, I've done all the, you know, the Ernest Eric stuff and, you know, I've worked through those books and I've got all the Marlowe stuff and mm-hmm. JK Hartman. You know, I love all that stuff. And as an academic pursuit, it's amazing. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And really addictive. But for selling, not physically selling, but for selling the effect, mm-hmm. it's not always the best situation. Yeah. It's not always the best not situation. It's not always the best... Um, sort of answer. Yeah. Just to stick the slide in. Yeah. what Was that...
0: Was that a... Daily? Or was it Charlie Miller? That said... You take a trick with... Uh-huh. However many slides, you take one away and it's better, and you
1: take another one away and it's better, and you remove all of them, and then it's awful. <laughs> mm, right? Right. I think the quote is like, you remove all of them, and you've got like some mathematical, mathematical disaster, abomination. Yeah. That's, that's right, yeah. It's totally true, though. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, no, you're totally right. It's it's finding the happy balance between those things, and the most important thing is not telling in any way. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the eartheness thing. I mean, you know, you're up on your eartheness. I've seen your oh, downloads. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's, it's the thing of uh, the audience shouldn't suspect yet alone detect. Mm-hmm. It's that if they don't suspect a double lift, yeah. then they can't they can't reverse engineer that. Yeah. If they don't suspect that the way they cut their cards is. Hooked up to a some kind of forcing mechanism or forcing slight, yeah. There's no way for them to go back. Yeah. Just like by the same token, if you use you know um, the convincing control, mm-hmm. that's quite a tough slight. Mm-hmm. But if you do it correctly, they don't detect. They don't even suspect that anything's happened. The card sticking out of that deck. Yeah. That's their card. Yeah. You know.
0: There's never an incongru- incongruency between what they think and
1: what they see. No. Totally. And that's what it should be. Yeah. I can't remember. I read, um, this was years ago and it stuck with me. I can't remember who it was or the reference was. But it described magic as where you and the spectator start off at the same point. So your mm-hmm. belief of the things that are happening in the world are the same.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And as you go, from, go through the trick, you go on different paths. You realize
0: you're in America, right?
1: Right. Go on. I was <laughs> I was making more
0: a uh, joke about politics. But oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, no, no,
1: go ahead. My, but, like, I have no idea like with politics or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. It's just magic tricks and guitars. That's all I know. All right. And food. Mm, food. Mm, food. Um, but the idea is that as you progress on the timeline mm-hmm. through the magic trick, your reality and the spectator's reality, as in your... Mutual understanding of what is currently happening mm-hmm. should be vastly different and the more vast that distance mm-hmm. the stronger the magic effect at the end mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I can't remember what the references for that But I remember reading that and going yeah, that's right. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's totally right I want them to believe because you know, you're lying mm-hmm. I want them to believe a truth that is not real. Yeah, and then at the end it's like the thing in um uh, in the show, right? So the end, the end of the show at the castle is the, there's a massive Tom Jones reveal, multiple Tom Jones reveals. There are more Tom Jones reveals in this show <laughs> than,
0: <laughs> than, than any other show there's ever ever been. existed. <laughs>
1: um, but the setup happens in the second trick where I have someone think of a celebrity, inverted commas, and it ends up being Tom Jones. But the fa- you,
0: are you are you uh, air quoting? Think of a celebrity yeah, yeah, or yeah, yeah. celebrity. Uh uh well that's the thing. Tom Jones is a celebrity. Well that's the thing, but you know, a lot of people don't know who it is. Yeah, <laughs> They know who it is, they just don't know that they know
1: who it is. Oh, okay, well it's weird because when it's not when you play the place, song, people go, it. Oh, that's Tom Jones. Yeah, yeah. that's who that is. Yeah. But the idea is that I try and sell that moment as you know, I don't know who this is gonna be. Mm-hmm. Who is it? Tom Jones. Oh god, thank God for that. Mm-hmm. Oof, thank God. Which is a moment that it's then forgotten. I can't remember why we got onto this. What were we talking about before this? It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, so that is... Oh, th- sorry. That's, yes, the reality thing. The reality for them is, oh, that's really clever. That guy has just figured out um, a freely chosen celebrity name. Mm-hmm. And that's their reality. Yeah. Then at the end of the show, when it's the callback, they realize, Ah, oh, man, he knew that from the beginning. We've all been set up. We've been sort of... Mm-hmm. we've been pulled along, you know, we've totally had our asses handed to us because we didn't suspect that at all. Yeah. And then the fact that there are nine Tom Jones reveals <laughs> in a matter of, you know, maybe a minute and a half mm-hmm. is just smashing that and they're just going, yep, 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 I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew. Mm-hmm. Which serves for the, the applause cue at the end.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I've kind of giving away the end of the show now, but that's fine because nobody's going to see it again see after it, this yeah. week.
2: Yeah.
0: No, it's great. I thought I just think it's so funny. Anytime that, that like absurdism creeps into magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it makes totally. me so happy. Because that's a way to do irony that is like artistic. Yeah. So I hate uh the like nod and wink of, hey, we're all having a good time. Enough. Now I'm doing magic tricks. We all know it's not real. Like yeah, okay that's you that's like a first level haha we're all in it together it's yeah. like no draw attention to it some way else yeah which is like bringing in the absurdity of yeah it's great tom jones and like you know polyester whatever it's oh, like yeah. it's this kind of i knew you were going to think of
1: this. this ridiculous thing yeah not that yeah. Tom Jones is ridiculous. No, that's not uh, what we're We saying, should probably but clarify. Like, yeah. But the, the, the fact that Tom Jones, I think what's funny about Tom Jones, the reason I picked Tom Jones is he is so famous and so well-known and so respected, mm-hmm. but at the same time is a happy character of himself, especially like the 70s stuff, you know, with exactly. Vegas yeah. You know, you just look at that and go, oh man, this, you know, he's in a pair of Speedos in a pool with his hairy chest out in a medallion. Yeah. You know, it's inherently funny. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, dude, that's Tom Jones. He could do whatever he wants, you know. Um... Yeah, how how are we doing for time? We've been going quite a while now.
0: Oh, no, like 20 minutes. Really? Yeah. Is that all? Yeah.
1: Wow. I talk fast, though, because I'm off. You do talk fast, yeah. Yeah, I think... We've got, like, two hours left. Really? Yeah. Wow, I'll start listing things that I'm interested in. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We've been going about an hour. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I think leading on from your fact and what you alluded to... Um, is what I really don't like is insincerity yes in any way shape or form I wrote it down right here authenticity oh really right there authenticity. Oh, amazing yeah don't look at my notes I, right, these just, are for me I can't read your handwriting luckily <laughs> um, yeah authenticity I no think it's can. so it's so important I mean you know we're currently in LA mm-hmm. and everybody's been lovely so far mm-hmm. but there is oh man how do I say this there's an element of insincerity in the LA thing. Yeah. Like, so many people are like, oh, my God, you guys are awesome. You know, you're so welcome here in LA. I'm so glad. And it's like, wait, you're probably not. And you probably don't care if I go around the corner and get hit by a car. You have no interest in me whatsoever. I'm not mm-hmm. saying at the castle. I'm just talking just generally yeah, yeah, in public, which I think... What they believe is that they're being really nice, but maybe it's the British thing because they're so opposed to what Britain is. Mm-hmm. It's so different, you know. In Britain, it's like, all right, yeah, I'm good. Are you good? Yeah, I'm alright. Like that's as far yeah. as it goes. I mean, that's how you greet each other, right? All right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, good. I'm good, man. Good. Thanks. Yeah, good. You're right. Yeah. Was that yours? <gasps> oh my God, Elliot! Oh, I haven't <laughs> seen you in so long. How are you doing? You're... It's like just say hello. just just, just say hello let's have a beer and let's sit down but that also sort of happens as you mentioned with a wink of the audience like we're all in this together and I did not want that for this show I wanted them to get to know me and sort of get to know a little about me which especially as I'm from such a small country uh, which probably some people have not heard of I hazard a guess or definitely don't know anything about um, that's why that is so um, so much a bigger deal in the act which ironically Ironically, it's very self-important, but it's not designed to be that way. It's just designed to be like, here I am. I'm from Wales. You are some really cool stuff. You are stuff you don't know, and you are some amazing things. Yeah. Um, I'm a nice guy. You seem like a lovely audience. Let's get on. Let's just have a blast. Mm-hmm. I think that's. I, I enjoy that. I'm not saying that's the way, but that's what I wanted out of this, and I hope I hope I succeeded. Yeah. I mean. Well, so. and it also uh, okay.
0: So the whole point of the thing is. You could do the trick where you reveal a celebrity, mm. but if you haven't set up that you're from the same country as yeah. the celebrity and that this is like special, these are all you know. It's like you've created this entire context yeah. that people understand. But somebody again demonstrating magic could just do that trick
1: yeah, and totally. not have set anything up, totally. and there's no further understanding yeah.
2: of
0: it. No, it's
1: know? definitely it's context and congru- congruency. Yeah. So the, I established the context that I am from this country. Um, I then talk some more about other people who are from this country. One is freely selected, inverted commas, and uh, it ends up that there's a big reveal about them at the end. Mm-hmm. Congruency, yeah? So I'm establishing the context. I'm deepening their understanding of me as a performer and my background. And then at the end, I say, but this is really cool. And all the stuff ties together. And it's a happy little bundle that they've been served. And they go away, hopefully, you know, amazed and, and enjoying the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, as you said, is so different to, yep, and if I straighten the cards out, they're all the right way around now, apart from this one. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. But, sorry, who are you? Yeah. I mean, there are certain certain performers, who will remain nameless, um, that wax lyrical about the importance of an audience getting to know you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have no idea who they are. Like, I don't know anything about them. Mm-hmm. I've seen yeah, I've seen them perform. I've spent time with them. I don't know anything about them. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know if they have a girlfriend. I don't know if they have kids. I don't really know where they're from. I don't know what they're into. I don't know what music they like. Mm-hmm. All I know is those cards are shuffled face-up, face-down, and then they spread out, and they're not face-up, face-down anymore. They're all the same way. Yeah. Which is amazing, but yeah. it's so much... What where Darren kills is the fact that in Darren's shows, you get to see Darren. Mm-hmm. You, you see him perform, and he is just the... Just oh my god, man! I can't even say enough words about the guy. He is just the best and the loveliest human being. And you see that in the show. You see him on stage, and you think that guy. I want to go out to dinner with that guy and chat to him. Yeah. And by the way, here's some crazy stuff that will leave you bleeding from your ears. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing is, I love him. I love that guy on the stage. Yeah. You know, because you, you learn about him and you understand his humor and the in-jokes and, you know, he drops in a little like, anecdotes about where he's from and, you know, mm-hmm. which you don't get with uh, some performers. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying, again, like, uh, it's such a strange thing because um, I've worked with him for a while um, and it's not like I'm evangelical. Mm-hmm. Uh, Is And that's, again, that's not the model to mm-hmm. be, but, I've you know, it works. Mm-hmm. It works. There's obviously other ways. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean this, again we drew the comparison to Tamaris and Daughters earlier. Um, it's like seeing those guys. I know those guys. I know what their personality is like. Mm-hmm. You know, you see Danny daughters and he comes out da 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 cat yep. Meow. Cat. No, look at my face. <sighs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And I just think, I love that guy, he's great. Yeah. What a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. I love him. As opposed to oh, oh god, the worst thing. Oh my skin crawling. Um, when I was younger, my grandfather taught oh, yeah. me this card trick and I'd love to perform it for all of you this evening. James, he said, when you get a pack, pack of cards, ask someone to shuffle the cards. It's like, oh, it's like trying to shoehorn this like awful sort of yeah. thing, which is not true. No. It's you know, the audience. The no, audience they, knows it's not true.
0: Too. Oh, I hate I, that. I was just talking about this with somebody. It's like, anytime you do uh an open prediction effect and you go last night i had a dream oh
1: god i was just talking about this the
0: other day <sighs> especially oh. when you're doing a show no, that you do four times a night for a week yeah you know i'm not oh, naming any god. venues or names but like you're like i had a dream last night it's like no
1: you, no, you fucking didn't, didn't no, and didn't. no
0: one in this room believes you plus
1: technically if that was true you would have had four dreams last night because you're doing the show four times yeah it's just, it, again, it's that insincerity thing. Yeah. It's the audience, although you're fooling the audience, they're not stupid. Yes. You know, and you're fooling them with method.
0: Yeah. yeah they don't know how it works, but they don't necessarily feel astonishment.
1: Oh, no. Oh, right. God, I God, I hate that dream thing. I was talking to Dave the other day about it. Um, we were on the plane. Mm-hmm. I was like, we was just like, you know what it's like when you get together with a magician. It's basically this, you just bitch about things. Yeah, It's so bitchy. Um, not us, but magicians in general. Yeah. And I was saying about that, the not the dream card plot necessarily, because I think it's a great plot in magic, mm. but just the framing of, I had a dream last night, mm. and you were there. What? Yeah. What do you mean I was there? You literally just saw me, like... Mm. Because then the character, the authenticity of the character of the performer changes. Mm -hmm. Okay. What you're asking someone to buy into then is rather than just a guy doing a card trick, you're now talking to an oracle who had the foresight to predict someone who was going to be there the next day and know what they look like and know details about them. Yeah. That's a big ask for a card trick. Yeah. You know. And there's a way to do
0: that correctly, right? Mm. Like, like, uh, for example, and I've never put any thought into this, so don't crucify me if i'm uh <laughs> wrong but because like, i've already got the wood and the nails just just a bit. all right well let me stretch first <laughs> so uh <laughs> uh but like you know if you if you're gonna do that trick and you're gonna do because mike Pachada has a thing where he goes i had a dream right can i just say yeah mike Pachada is the
1: best close-up magician i've ever seen i agree I, I've, I wasn't familiar with his material before and I saw him in the castle last weekend. Wow. Yeah. I am a fan. Like yeah. And D- Dave's the same. Me and Dave have been hanging out and we've both gone well. It's like, we might as well just give up now, man, because this guy is killing it. Like, everything is so good yeah. and so polished and technically perfect and interesting and authentic. i I love the guy. I abs- I think, I've think i not actually met him yet. I've not had a conversation with him. He's the best. I'm, I'm I love sure, him so much. But, like, I was just blown away. Yeah. You, you, know where, you know where it's like. You see a magician and, you know, oh, man, did the coin thing. Oh, it's incredible. So, uh, you know, the guy, you know, he comes out and he's displaying the coins. And your magician brain is already a step ahead. And you think, yeah, okay, yeah. I know what this is going to be. Yeah, But, man, wow. Yeah. Like, within the first... 10 seconds out of the routine I've already gone right anything I think is not real anymore thank you very much this is the best coin routine I've ever seen in my entire life and this guy is selling it better than anybody and he gets moments those beats that we were talking monster? about
2: he's yeah
1: oh my god he yeah. absolutely gets those moments and the reactions were it was the best reactions to any coin trick I've ever seen
0: yeah
1: anyway you were saying about Mike well so he did you, did you see him
0: do the effect where he goes I had a dream and I it's a prediction thing and oh with the, with the yeah, pocket, yeah yeah right? yeah that is amazing and it feels real and genuine. And also at the end of it, that so that revelation, oh. the the like boom, yeah, boom, yeah, boom, boom, yeah, boom, boom, yeah. that kind of keys you back into, no, this wasn't really a dream. I knew it was gonna have a thing. You know, it's like it, it's this whole weird meta yeah, yeah, trick yeah. is what it is. No, it's totally. That's meta is the way to do I had a dream. Yeah. Because if you tr- Any other way to do it you No one is It's just like I don't no, care totally. I don't believe but He you, guessed that
1: He knows that And that's yeah. why that's so strong I mean yeah. he's great I don't know Hopefully I'll get to hang out with him At some point this week Or, um, But he is just He's great Yeah he's amazing One of my new favorite magicians Absolutely It's brilliant um, Yeah I mean, What were we talking about Before that Insincerity We were basically just Bitching a lot Weren't we
0: yeah, that's what I tend to do. Yeah, that's fine. That's that's, good.
1: Good. that's what the point of this
0: is. need <laughs> a bitch and people listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So you you were telling me when we met that you were touring with Darren. What What is touring? What does that mean? Because like. I know what it means to tour as a comedian. Yeah. So what does
1: it mean to tour as a magician? Uh, well, I mean, technically, I wasn't touring as a magician because I was just helping out in the stage show. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, my, my job on that was just, like, looking after props and, mm-hmm. you know, making sure Darren had what he needed. And, uh, like, with regards to, like, right, that table needs to go there now or, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of stuff. So, it's you know, it probably sounds a lot more glamorous than it is for the job itself, but the tour was amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to stay in some really great hotels. Um, obviously, you know, got to, you know, spend lots of time with Darren and the rest of the crew. I mean, everybody on that team is just just so lovely. They're just yeah, really, yeah. really lovely people. Um, and Darren's very good at that. He's very good at surrounding himself with people who are great to be with. Because mm-hmm. obviously, you know, when Darren selects a team, he's going to be with them for like two years. So they have to be good. If you you know select one guy who's out of place, then, you know, it's such a strange little like a little bubble that you live in. Mm -hmm. Because you're You're creating your own environment. Yeah, well, it's just six of you or seven of you on this tour. It's just seven of you that spend all your time together. You see each other every day. You see each other every night. You know, you're staying in the same hotels. You're meeting up for lunch. Mm -hmm. And it's really important that everybody gets along. And, you know, it's so lucky that everybody did. It was just great. I mean, me and Ollie spent so much time together. And Coops, you know, Coops is just great. Coops is Darren's uh, PA and assistant. Um, It's just lovely being with them. But at the same time, uh, it's it's bittersweet. I mean, if like at Ollie's age, Ollie's twenty, like five now, I think I'm thirty six, so mm. I'm I'm a, quite a bit older than Ollie, uh, and I'm, I've got a wife and I've got a kid. So being away is hard. That's hard work. Yeah. And as a young like Ollie's, you know, got no ties, no commitments. He's just he's just on the road, which is great. But there's that sort of bittersweet thing where. Um, Yes, the job is amazing, but at the same time, I'm away from home quite a lot, um, which is hard. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, touring's awesome, man. It's it's a strange thing. When you go back home, you need to readjust a little while. Yeah. Because you're so used to living out of a suitcase and eating out every day and, you know, drinking in different bars every night Mm -hmm. and being in a different city every week, which sounds really glamorous. Yeah. And it kind of is. But the novelty wears off very quickly, you know, there's only so many times you can complete a Wagamama's menu or like, you know, Nando's or whatever, you know, I've done all those menus many times because they're Mm -hmm. the same in every city. Um, But yeah, I mean, the shows, it was just incredible, you know, to be able to be part of something that's so, such a big brand, for lack of a better term, and to play so many venues in front of so many people, Mm -hmm. um, even though I'm not performing, just to be part of that machine is just... You know, such an honor. Yeah. And especially as I got into magic because of Darren. As I mentioned earlier, it was like Darren and Jerry Sadowitz. Uh God, man, to, to go full circle and end up part of that thing is beyond any aspiration I ever had. It's like like I said earlier, like anything I've done, I've always felt like a phony. Mm-hmm. So I turned up on the TV stuff, I felt like a complete phony. I t- I started like consulting on some TV stuff. It turned up, I was like, oh, do you want to know? And they were like, we want to do this. I was like, okay, well there's like three ways of doing it. I don't know if it's going to be any good. Mm-hmm. And like the theatre stuff last year is the first time I did that. And I walked in like, I kind of don't know what I do, but um, if anybody else finds out, then I'm kind of fired. <laughs> so I'm just going to kind of keep going and hopefully it'll work out. Um, it's the same thing with Darren. It's like I turned up on the first day of rehearsals and I was in the room and you know Darren's there and Andrew O'Connor is just a boss. Um, and Ollie, of course, and all these guys. And I'm like, right. So... Um, Right. What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what should no we way do? Way yeah.
0: do? We just what, what do we what do we just do? We're all just making it up as we go along. I
1: think so, but I think it's good to keep that in mind because it stops you getting massively big-headed. Mm-hmm. Is I just, just I just find that whole magicians eager thing insufferable again. I mean, the, the thing is, I've, I've in the, especially in the last six years since since I turned thirty, I've achieved a lot, like in magic. I've done lots, and I've done lots of stuff that nobody else would have done. Mm-hmm. Um, in quick succession as well, it's only been six years. I'm very, very proud of it, and I'm, um, you know, and I. But at the same time, I, it's it's difficult to um, telegraph that pride without sounding like a complete arse. Yeah. Which I'm very, very aware of not sounding like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tend to cover it in self-deprecation and like, oh, yeah, we did this, but it was kind of okay, and blah 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 yeah, yeah. Blah, blah. whatever. <laughs> Um, which is so weird because you like some guys that I've met have maybe done d- done like a good gig for a celebrity. And that's yeah. all they talk about. Yeah, it's like oh yeah yeah, and I did this gig and you know this this guy was sat here and at the end he was like ba 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 and he was like oh you did this and it was awesome and I loved it and you know and they're just like chatting this stuff and I'm thinking oh yeah, it's great it's great man, but that's not ingratiating at all in any way shape or form. You're just talking at me and telling me how great you are.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's much better to just like be nice. And then, you know, prove it. Prove that you're good.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like, don't don't talk the talk. Just do it. And if it's good, it's good. And if it's not, it's not. But that, that's fine. And if I like you, it doesn't matter either way. But, you know, don't, don't be that guy. Ugh. Like, I did a, instantly on the back of that. Oh, no, never mind. You don't need to know about that. Um, but, yeah, it's just like Bill Goodwin. Okay, Bill Goodwin. Yeah. Here's the example, right? Bill Goodwin is a machine. Mm-hmm. Bill Goodwin is a... Just like one of the best card magicians out there, you know he's librarian at the castle. But he is the coolest guy on earth, mm-hmm. and he is so not like LA and in your face every time I see him.
0: Every t- every single time, Bill. When are we gonna do the podcast? I don't have anything to say. Nobody's oh, interested. Man. I can't. What are we? No, he no. could feel- find somebody. Somebody
1: else would be way better. Not me. He is just oh man you totally have to get him to do a podcast he I, could fill five hours of stories I'm, and the rest i know he just he just and he's just, just he's not, so good but I, every time like like you show him a trick or he's like oh man that fooled me so bad that's awesome but in an authentic not in this genuine yeah it's not so in genuine. His, and then he'll show you something and you're like oh okay back <laughs> to the but what did you do for us the other night uh oh he did this trick um okay good start all right. Uh, look, uh, we were drinking quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so so we were drinking quite a lot, actually. Um, he did the cannibal cards for us. But it's that thing of like, we're, sat running, we're up in the owl bar at the castle, right? And we're just in the corner, happily slugging these gins, like these big, big gin and tonics. And we're just chatting, not even about card tricks. And then all of a sudden, I just go, oh, Bill, look, could I? Could you do the cannibals for me, the cannibal cards? Like, yeah. yeah. And just does it. Mm-hmm. No, like, oh, no. Or no, like, oh, wait till you see this. just like, Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. It's just like the best thing I've ever seen. It's just like the best cannibal card routine there is, right? Yeah. And then he does, uh, he does a few things that he hasn't put out yet. Mm-hmm. And he showed me... Oh, we started talking about this J.K. Hartman trick. Okay, so J.K. Hartman, because you know um, sort of... Uh, Bill Goodwin and Gordon Bean, who I've never met, sort of have a correspondence with J.K. Hartman. And as a result of that, they put out Concraft, which is a book of any card, any number of effects. It's mm-hmm. like seven of them. They're based on a thing that Thomas Blomberg wrote, which is now out in Blomberg Laboratories, but was out a few years ago, apparently, on like the Second Deal website or something. Okay. Anyway, I got that book secondhand. And it's supposed to come with this uh, card gimmick with um, printed instructions on there of how to do this, um, any card, any number. Uh, And it goes along the lines of the card's on the top of the deck and it's got instructions and you say to the person, okay, uh, shuffle the cards. Did you shuffle the cards? Yes. Think of a card. Did you think of a card? Yes. And it's like that basically. And then at the end, the thing is that the card they thought of is at the number they freely named. And then at the end, Banana bandana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The bra trick. But the point is, right, the point is, I was chatting to him about this trick, because I've read that trick, and I knew that he did it, and I don't know how he did it, and I knew he did it as part of his, like, sort of gigging repertoire. Yeah. So we started talking about it, and I was like, oh, you know, I've got the Craft book, and I know the you do that routine. I can't even remember what it's called. Um, and... You know, I'm really interested in doing it. Unfortunately, I bought a second-hand copy that didn't come with the gimmick, so I was going to guess and print printed. Because the cards that I had printed for the show in the castle, I've had mm-hmm. to have specially printed. So sure. off the back of that, I was going to have more cards printed. Yeah, because they don't do Welsh <laughs> flags is... with Tom Jones. <laughs> I was going
0: to say,
1: I was going to say, US card Company is not interested in the, in
0: the Welsh flag Tom Jones
2: <laughs> niche. Uh,
0: <laughs> yet. Uh, yet. Yet. There's an
1: untapped you market blazing there. the trail. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um... So we were chatting about this trick, and I was saying, like, you know, I'd love to see it. And he said, oh, do you know, I had, like, extra of those cards printed. So he has, like, a stash. He said, oh, I'll make a note. So he pulls his little notebook out and makes a note, and I, I think nothing of it. Then the next day, he's like, oh, I got those cards for you. So he gave me two of the cards, and I'm obviously very grateful. Then later on that night, again, funnily enough, we were back at the bar, and we started talking about the trick. Really? Yeah, back at the bar again. It's so good. He, he escaped from us the last two nights. <laughs> not, not last night, because we were with him last night, but the two nights before, he was like... Oh, man, I got to go home. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not drinking with you guys. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. But last night, it was fun. Um, but anyway, the, the point is that he's got the cards, and I just mentioned, like, oh, can you do the trick? And again, he's just like, yeah, do it. And he did it, and me and Dave both went, it's the best any card at any number I've ever seen. It's brilliant. brilliant. But there's no, like, pretence, or so there's no disingenuity. Just disingenuity. Yes? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, just did the tricks, and they were great. So then he doesn't have to tell you how good he is, because you just know. Yeah, you know how good he is which is totally not that yeah and I performed for like Sylvester Stallone and Sylvester Stallone invited me up to his house and he was doing this yeah nice one Okay.
0: well nobody cares about Sylvester Stallone (laughs) not anymore
1: anyway or Tom Jones for that matter oh oh, oh, no it's a cheap shot oh gosh
0: Too, too, too real oh you had on a great suit Tuesday night
1: oh thank you amazing thanks
0: yeah, I like that suit a lot.
1: Yeah, I Funny funnily enough I bought her especially for the castle. Oh yeah? Yeah, it's uh, DKNY. DKMY. Oh yeah. Yeah, DKNY, and I'm wearing Dune shoes and um I kind of TM Lewin shirts. Uh yeah. I I wanted a good suit for the castle. I have suits, obviously I have suits for performing at home, but you know, it's like I'm all the way out in L.A. and put travel- on a suit just to perform at home? Yeah. No, seriously. Yeah. I just get up and, like, you know, make my kid breakfast and I'm wearing a three-piece suit. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm bathing in and, you know, still wearing the suit. And, you know, everything's immaculate. Of course not. Uh, but, you know, I have suits for performing at home. Sure. Um, but this is, like, I can't stress how big a deal this is coming out here. So i had to make the effort so i went and bought a really nice suit and i bought the nice shoes so i'm basically not making any money at all because i spend it all on traveling or expenses but yeah it fitted right off the peg too no wow. no tailoring that's yeah, nice straight off the peg what are you a 40 uh 22? 38 uh, 38? 38 38 ah. i'm wearing quite a baggy t-shirt oh okay yeah okay. 38 38 r suit um and a 32 short leg oh. that's what it is nice yeah, DKMY. from the Moss Brothers in Regent Street. Wow! Yeah, nice. <laughs> thanks for asking. Yeah, thanks wow. for noticing. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Oh,
0: okay. Well, I mean, you come from uh, a good place for tailoring and sartorial yeah, totally. business, anyway. So
1: yeah, I was going to do the snavel Row thing, and then I looked into it and realized that the pricing was just way beyond anything I could afford. Yeah. So I thought, I tell you what, why don't I just find one that I like and fits? Yeah. And we'll go from there. So that's what I did. You could have, you could have
0: one. And then just have it your whole life. Yeah, that's
1: true. Yeah, I mean, I'd love I'd love that. A friend of mine um, has this great... Um, oh, God, what is it? I think it's... A, I don't want to say Tom Baker. I think it's Tom Baker. Could be Tom... Ted Baker or no, no, Tom no. Sweeney? No, no, no. I think it's Tom Baker. Or Tom Brown? No. Yeah, I think. I'm pretty sure it's Tom Baker. It's a Savile Row thing. Okay. Um, my mate Sav has got this just wonderful suit. Mm-hmm. It is just cool, man. Totally tailored. And on the inside of the jacket, just down here, is a big patch sewn in saying, fuck you. Oh, great. <laughs> so, it's awesome. just, yeah, I could never get away with that in a gig. But with his character and like the way he looks... Like he turns up and he's got like a kind of a. Sometimes he he has like a kind of steampunk thing with the top hat and the, the goggles on it. And he's got this really cool like jacket. So it uh-huh. kind of fits. And it's like the, the lining on the inside is this like really bright red. So you open it yeah. up and just, fuck you. But on like sort of less, like gigs that with Aston probably just puts like gaffer tape on the inside of it. <laughs> but yeah, he's got some good clothes, man. I tell you who, got, who has good suits. That? Andy Nyman. Oh, yeah. Andy has. Andy always looks like a governor. And any like thing yeah he look, he's the man yeah that's rad yeah he's cool man i'm into it
0: um yeah tom sweeney is one of my favorite savile row yeah? shops yeah i they, can't even afford to look in the window they dress david gandy oh okay and he's sexy that's a good looking man um yeah but dressing so dressing well is important for creating that context especially
1: if you're going to do a performance in that Absolutely. and it's, it's again it's congruency I know we've talked about it before, like we talked about it earlier yeah. it's that congruency of before I step out of that curtain they have no idea where I am they have no idea where I'm from they have no idea if I'm any good they just need to see a show yeah the first impression they get is how you look yeah. which is you know shallow but you know you're performing you're on stage right i mean
0: is it shallow though like that's Uh, that's the easy way to say it but see shallow is like for me tom ford said uh you dress well as a sign of respect for those around you yeah yeah it's not a like recognizing that someone is dressed well i don't think is shallow if you're not judging like their character like you're a bad person if you don't dress well that's shallow yeah like, I don't want to be around you if you don't dress well. Yeah.
1: Probably just for the people at home, I should probably just uh, express that me and Elliot are currently sat in full evening dress, even though it's the middle of the day, and I'm actually wearing a top hat. So, uh, you know, that's what no we do. No
0: monocle, though.
1: No, no monocle. Well, I thought it was yeah. a bit overkill for a podcast where nobody could see me, but um, yeah, yeah. We're, def- we're both definitely wearing suits right now. Yes.
0: Well, I mean, that's just, that's how I prefer to do it. And I'm glad that you came prepared, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was either this little pink dress.
1: Well, oh, the I,
0: castle I asked for the pink dress.
1: Oh, right.
0: Yeah. There you go.
1: But no, the thing is, it's that thing of, as I just mentioned, when you come to the curtain, mm-hmm. that is the initial impression, right? Yes. So what I wanted is, and none of this is accidental, it's all, like, I've, I've thought about all of this at length, Yeah. Um, is I want them to think, wow, this guy looks good. Not that i and please don't, please don't read that as this guy is good looking. Yeah. Because that's just (laughs) bonkers. Um, But I want them to think this guy looks the shit. This guy is put together. Yeah. Therefore, what I'm about to see is put together. Absolutely. And then you follow that up with the first line and that sells the package. They are then thinking, this is a show. I'm on board. This guy's an expert. Yeah, I trust him. Well, I do about that, but that's hopefully what they think. That's what they think.
0: Yeah, they're uh, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's like the Simpsons thing when it pans to my head; it's just a monkey on a tricycle. Or something <laughs> in my head. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what I want. I, it, because it's that night, especially as I'm doing the late. The chances are that they've seen you know three or four shows before they see me. Mm-hmm. So if they catch me last, I have to. It's it's not a competition. But I have to compete. I yeah. can't be the guy they come and see last and go, eh, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, and that starts from the moment you come out, in the moment you step through that curtain. is, okay. Yeah, great. I'm on board. And the, the pause, the pregnant pause, just allowing everybody to calm down, and then delivering that first line. Colin, mm-hmm. Colin, Cloud, as I said, insane to see it. Came to see the other night, and he said that like as soon as you deliver that first line, everybody in the room knew you were in control. Mm-hmm. Which is not what I was thinking. But if this, that's the impression it gave, I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, that's what
0: I want. Well, uh, again, that's the difference between your reality and their reality. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, wow, well, there we go. It's a callback. Wow, we're doing Amen. callbacks. We're doing callbacks. But yeah, that's that's totally where it is. But thank you for the compliment and the suit. Yeah, it's lovely because you're always I always see like your downloads and stuff, oh, and you always look very gentlemanly. I appreciate it. Oh, that's great. Uh, well, I mean. <laughs> I it's not my best evening wear. No, I think the clown <laughs> shoes are a little bit overkill, but oh, but they're so
0: comfortable, <laughs> so roomy. They're so roomy. I have very small feet, actually. I have like I wear a size eight and a half. Really? I'm, yeah, I'm like five eleven. Yeah, like, yeah, you're like still average,
1: but pretty small, feet. tiny feet. I got tiny feet. No, check that. out uh, Oh yeah, that's pretty. I right, I thought yeah, tiny little hands. Yeah. Yeah. What is it about Welshmen and their tiny hands? I don't, well, I don't know, because it's not a thing. Normally, like, you know, Welsh guys are... I, I don't <laughs> uh, Well, that's the thing. Like, Welsh guys are generally quite big. They're mm-hmm. uh, big fellas. I'm not. I'm, I'm the exception to the rule. I'm a scrawny yeah. little guy with a beer belly. Um, but, yeah, normally Welsh blokes are, like, all rugby rugby mm-hmm. fellas. So, they're either roided up or, you know, stalared up with lager. and are massive. They're yeah. Things. Not me. Uh,
0: what should Americans be learning from the UK?
1: Oh, God. Odd nothing just just, yeah I think I think it's mutually assured destruction at the moment and now, we're, now we're at the realms of magic I don't know man I just I have no opinions other than I don't really like much of what's going on on either side of the Atlantic yeah but you know hopefully it'll sort itself out I'm just gonna put my head in sand and just go yeah, yeah it'll be fine Maybe. oh I didn't
0: mean in regards to any of that I meant like in the magic
1: oh in the magic world. yeah yeah um, do you know what I have noticed this is interesting. Um, American magicians tend to um, big each other up. Yeah. So they'll tell tell you how amazing their friend is and how amazing. And British magicians just cut each other down all the time. So that's different. I mean, maybe that's something that we could learn from from you guys. Because it's so much like, have you seen that guy? Yes, yeah, shit. I've seen that guy. That's oh, terrible. It's awful. Oh, no. We do that. We yeah, absolutely do that. I don't know. In public, the public sort of... All the talk in public is always, oh, my friend, ma-ma-ma, yeah. is amazing. He does the best ma-ma-ma you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. That that tends to be the thing, whereas yeah. in the in UK, it's just like, yeah, yeah, he's very good. Or, no, he's terrible. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I don't know if there's enough. I wonder, so now this is just total speculation,
0: but I wonder if that has to do with, like, how old your country is compared to ours. Yeah. Because, you know... We're still bright-eyed and uh,
1: bushy-tailed. Plus, the sun makes you optimistic. We don't get much of that. Oh, interesting. Interesting. It's that vitamin D. That's what it is, I think. We're we're slightly lacking in vitamin D. Maybe it's that. (laughs) I don't know, man. Um, I don't know. We're just messing around. What I've noticed is, like, it does seem to go in trends of sort of places. So, if you look at...
0: Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you about this. Like, what you've noticed on basically touring is you know going to these different places and-
1: all right well we only really talked we only toured in the uk and ireland i'll take it out so uh, <laughs> but um yeah i don't know if there's much sort of magic answer in that but in the magic world it does seem to be this this trend of magic from certain places is hot mm-hmm. so like obviously in the 70s like sort of, 60 70s it was like LA, right, with Mm -hmm. with the castle scene and, you know, going through the 80s or whatever. And prior to that, when Vernon was in New York, like New York's like the hot place. But then at the same time, you've got like Roy Walton and Peter Paul Wilson and Peter Duffy and Sladowitz and those guys in Scotland. So like the Scotland mafia, as they, you know, the Glasgow mafia, as they used to call it. That was like a thing, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then obviously Spain and Madrid with, you know, Tamarins and stuff. So it does seem to be of so it jets around, like, Spain is really, like, hot at the moment. Like, the Spanish magic thing is just yeah. huge. It's taking over and everybody wants to be Spanish, including myself. Um, yeah, it's interesting how that goes. But then, I don't know, man. I guess they, they probably, because of the sort of internet and how widely available everything is, surely that sort of globalisation of everything will water that down eventually. Mm. Like, after the Spanish thing is kicking, because everybody is now, has that material, well, not has the material, but is exposed sure to that style it'll i think it'll eventually sort of flatten out and it will become like a global thing with very similar mm-hmm. sort of performing styles which you didn't have before the internet because like guys in the uk wouldn't see anybody in la they would yeah. only be able to like read about them in like genie or whatever mm-hmm. and similar thing with like tamara is like all the all the rumors about tamara is like in the 70s and the 80s when he was like sort of establishing himself unless you saw him there was, no, there was no way of seeing him perform. You know, there wasn't YouTube or yeah. that kind of stuff. He was a myth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's great, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. That's what you want. You want that myth. Yeah. Um, yeah. I need to go soon, actually, because I've got to go and have a shower and um, go get ready for the shows tonight, unfortunately. Yeah, you were up late. Yeah, I was up till 4 a.m. this morning. It's Bill Goodwin's fault, though. It's totally Bill Goodwin's fault. I would Dave Forrest's fault. I was just an impartial observer <laughs> to the debauchery
0: <laughs>
1: yeah debaucherous and fun.
0: hedonist excursion to Los
1: Angeles yeah is there anything else you desperately wanted to know or is there anything you're interested in as far as your notes are concerned I want to make sure you, we cover everything
0: uh, we just have a couple of finishing questions that's all I'm just okay. a little lightning,
1: lightning round who are some of your favourite magicians Jerry Sadowitz Darren Brown Danny Daughters, is Juan Tammer is um, uh, Roy Walton doesn't perform but I love his thinking uh, all right. So I have this to watch? Uh, Darren, Blaine, Tamra's, is, Off the top of my head, there's many more. Mm-hmm. To read, um, Walton, Sadwitz again, uh, some J.K. Hartman, Vernon, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Okay. Yeah, I'm quite I'm quite old school with sort of my tastes. I'm not really the the download guy who's like getting all the new stuff that's coming out because there's so sure. much there's so much great stuff out there. Mm-hmm. You know, this hidden in books. Yeah, absolutely. It's, especially like Apocalypse, the old magazines. Oh, man, yeah. The old magazines have gold. Mm-hmm. Real gold. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, favorite books? Favorite books. Uh, card Zones uh, by Jerry Sadowitz. Uh, 52 Memories by Jack Parker. Um, Vernon's Ultimate Card Secrets. Not that the rest of it isn't good, but if I had to pick one, it'd be the Ultimate Card Secrets. So, very much like that. Um, by Forces Unseen... Love that book. Mm, One more. Let's see. What else? Can't think of one off the top of my head. Favorite non-magic books? Favorite non-magic books. Um, So I read um, Alan de Botton's Constellations of Philosophy last year. I really, really enjoyed that. I'm halfway through The Outsider at the moment by Albert Camus. Um... So, when you mentioned Camus the other night, you weren't getting around. No, yeah, I'm genuinely like I'm halfway through it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I tend not to read um, a lot of fiction. Mm -hmm. I I like reading about stuff. Okay. Um, So, a lot of my tastes seem to be that. Um, Yeah, so I went through a big uh, Debotton phase and I currently like sort of working my way through some philosophy, but not in a scholarly way, just as much as I'm interested. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Favorite albums? Oh man Uh, Right Appetite for Destruction Guns N' Roses That's where it kicked it all off for me Um, Nirvana Nevermind uh, Steve Vai Probably Passion and Warfare Or Alien Love Secrets That we talked about earlier I'm sure it's called Alien Love Secrets Um, But that's a great album Bad Horse Intend to Surrender Uh, I love Ben Folds So any of the Ben Folds 5 albums I was like, oh, do you know what? I'm listening to a lot of Kendrick Lamar at the moment. Oh, yeah. love Kendrick Lamar. His new album, Damn's Awesome, and um, To Pimp a Butterfly is, is, is a great album, too. Yeah. Yeah, probably those. But if I had to pick one, oh, Led Zeppelin as well, of course. I love sure. Lads' Zeppelin. Uh, it'd probably be Appetite for Destruction. Cool. Uh,
0: and then, what's the hardest time you were ever fooled? And it, when I say
1: that, I mean, like, genuinely astonished, blown away. Right, okay. Um, so I can think of two instances. Okay uh one was danny daughters mm-hmm. and when he was at the session convention a few years ago i picked him up from the airport because andy it was a really good friend of mine knew that i was a big fan so he's like i need someone to pick him up for the airport do you want to go and pick him up from the airport you know it'd be a nice opportunity to meet him and you get to do me a favor too so I was like yeah fine so I to pick him up got in the car drove him to the hotel and we just chatted no magic chat, chat, chat 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 so he disappears for a bit. I think he was going to go sleep or whatever because he's Spanish and that's what Spanish people do in the daytime. Yep. <laughs> and like, I just kind of didn't see him. And then later on that evening, I was walking down the hall and he was walking towards me and he went, hey, my friend, my friend. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to go eat. Where can we go to eat? And I'd just eaten. I was like, well, there's the restaurant just there. Um, you know, I'll, I'll sit with you if you want and keep you company as you eat because he was on his own. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, come and sit with me. For the next hour and a half, I have no idea what was real. <laughs> And he's doing it while he's whilst eating lasagna, <laughs> like. And I'm trying to be British and polite, going like, oh, you know, Danny, this is great, but please, you know, finish finish your food first. You know, we got all night to do. this. Like, no, 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 shuffle the cards. Yeah, <laughs> like, take them under the table, take any cards, stick it in, the, you know, and all this kind of stuff. It's like, yeah. and he's doing it with like half eating and just killing me, just absolutely fried me for an hour and a half. Um, I had a coffee with Amanda Luchero once, and he showed me the Coin Matrix in a Starbucks. Mm-hmm. That was pretty special. And once at a Blackpool convention, I was with Michael Webber. So, you know, I mean, you know how that pans out. Yeah. I, I don't need to fill he's, in any of that. you
0: melted onto the floor. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. Cool. I don't even need to tell, tell you how that panned out. All I need to say is I was at a Blackpool convention. It was late at night, and I was with Michael Webber, and that was it. I don't know what was real. Probably that's the hardest time I've been fooled, I think I think, yeah. That's cool.
0: Alright, well thank you so much. That oh, thanks so it.
1: much for having me. Hopefully there's stuff in there that you can edit round. Yeah, there <laughs> is. There's plenty
0: I can just take right out.
1: Cut <laughs> it down to a tight fifteen. Fifteen minutes, yeah. Sixteen to seventeen. Sixteen to 17. thank you very much for noticing. Yeah. Uh yeah, sixteen to seventeen minutes, tight act. And there we go. Yeah. But thanks for having me. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Awesome. And I'll see you again this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have a good one.
0: Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, email me at podcast at artofmagic.com to let me know your thoughts or join the conversation at the Facebook group dedicated to Magical Thinking listeners. You can find it by searching for Magical Thinking Podcast on Facebook and give us a like over on the Facebook fan page while you're at it. If you enjoyed the show, share the episode or episodes that you found most interesting and inspiring and let people know what you got out of it. I'll see you next Thursday. Cheers.